got a seat. I don't apologize for getting excited about the Lord. I don't. I don't apologize. Some people say, man, you're wound up. You know what? If there's anything in this world to get wound up about, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Well, if you're a guest today and you're here, we're so glad to have you with us. My name is Kent, and I'm the pastor, and we've got a couple. Jeff's the other one, and, and uh, we're just glad that you're here, man. We're continuing a Bible study today in our passages, and it's in the book of uh, Daniel. And the title of our sermon is called Stand, or the, the series is called Stand. And I want to read just one passage of Scripture today as we start. And it's in Daniel, and it's chapter 4. We're going to bring it up here on the screen, I believe. And uh, this is what it says. It's verse 27. Listen to this. Watch this verse. That is why, Your Majesty, my best advice is that you stop sinning, do what is right, stop committing the same errors, and have pity on the poor. Maybe you can prolong your prosperity. Interesting verse, isn't it? Interesting verse. That's going to have some background to it here in a few minutes. But we're just talking about the book of Daniel. Last week we talked about how the children of Israel were carried away by Nebuchadnezzar. He was an evil king. Uh, I was, I, when I was a kid we were in church, they'd say Nebuchadnezzar. They'd say, boo. But anyway. Nebuchadnezzar was, I mean, he was, he was evil. And so he carries the children of Israel away to, to Babylon in captivity. And he destroys everything that Israel has. He tries to do away with, totally do away with everything that they know. And so today we're talking about standing. And we're going to look at an example in the Bible about standing up that I think is pretty amazing. I've heard these stories all my life. And sometimes when you hear these stories over and over and over, you know, they kind of just kind of, yeah, I've heard that story. But let me tell you something. When you really stop and you look at what's going on, I mean, it'll blow your mind. This is like one of the most incredible things to read in the world. It is. The stories in here are phenomenal. And there were people just like us. You know, I read some comments this week about standing out. Because that's what we're going to talk about today. Standing out. One of them is this, or a couple of them. One of the tests of leadership is the ability to recognize a problem before it becomes an emergency. Standing out. Submit to pressure from peers and you invite them up to your level. Standing out. If you move with the crowd, you'll get no further than the crowd. When 40 million people believe in a dumb idea, it's still a dumb idea. Standing out, right? So if you believe in something that's good, honest, stand up for it. Maybe your peers will get smart and drift your way. You see, standing up is, is something that we're all called to do at times. And Daniel, in this book, gives us an incredible story about standing up. Daniel and three other men were taken into Babylon. This king brought these young men over there, and he wanted to school them in the culture of their, of their times, in the cultures of Babylon. He wanted them to forget who they were, where they'd come from. And so he takes them over there. He takes the brightest and the best, and he's got these four guys. One of them's name is Daniel. Daniel's name meant God is my judge. See, their names meant something, so he thought if I take their names away from them, you know, I'm taking it away. No, it's more than a name. Hananiah was the, was the second one. His name was God is gracious. Mishael, his name was God is without equal. And Azariah's name meant the Lord is my helper. Their Babylonians' name were Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys see, you know, the, you know part of this, don't you, right? I mean, I heard that story. So when we look at these guys... I didn't realize that they were just kids. They were 15 years old, like we talked about last week. They were young people, 15 to 17 years old. And they get over here in this culture, and they, the king immediately realizes that they're pretty, pretty sharp. They stood out. 
You know why they stood out? Because they had prepared in their minds, they had already resolved in their minds that they were going to stand for their God. And so when they changed their names, they didn't get too upset about it. The first thing we talked about last week in, in standing up was they said, we're going to eat this food, and you need to eat this food, and, and, and Daniel did it in the right way. He, he, he did it the right way. And he said to them, hey, how about if you just let us eat our food for 10 days and watch what happens? And he did, and they were so impressed. They were like, wow. He didn't say, we, you know, this is it, this is how. No, no. He said, how about if we do this? And he won him over, and the king was like, wow, who is this guy? And so, as we read in, in chapter uh, 1, verse 8, that they stood out, they wouldn't eat the food. And then in, in, in three years, they were moved up to the chief of staff, as we read in verse 18. And, and they're standing out, and the king puts them in his service. He brings them up to his court. The king talked about them in, in chapter 1, verse 19. He says, there's nobody like these guys. You see, when you stand out, you're different. When you stand out for something and stand up for something, you're different. So this, the four worked for the king. Now, what happens next is the second chapter. They're in the king's court, and they're serving. They're still following their God. And the king has this dream. And, and, and now get this, okay? <laughs> get this. This king is not a good guy. I'm telling you, he's tough. He's a tough one. He has this dream, and he says, go call the, the interpreters of my dreams. Bring them in here. And they're like, don't call us, man. We don't know what he's dreaming about. We don't know what that means. He was like, really? They said, well, go get, that, go get that, that other guy, that other guy, that Israelite. So he comes in, and you know what he does? He tells him what he dreamed, and he told him straight up. And it, it impressed Nebuchadnezzar, and he didn't have him killed because the news wasn't good. And then in the third chapter, we see these young guys again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The culture of the time was when we blow the horns, he built this big statue. When we blow the horns, everybody kneels down and worships this statue. Blew the horns, guess what? Those three were standing there like this, I'm sure, going, no, we ain't doing that. We got our God, Yahweh, the God of, of our fathers. So they said, throw them in the fiery furnace. You guys know the story, right? Throws them in the fiery furnace. He says, rev it up. I believe it was seven times hotter than normal. The fire's revved up, and they looked in there, and they're like, man, they're still in there. Oh, wait, wait, there's, no, there's four. Huh? Wow, he brings them out. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has these moments in each one of these stories. He's like, man, there's no God like your God. Your God is, you know, he's amazing. And then he goes right back worshiping his pagan God. And so he brings these guys in, and he says, wow, your God is truly a holy God. And so he's made an impression. So that brings us up to the fourth chapter where we are, right? Okay, so at this point, Daniel's 50 years old. He served, he's shown, he's shared, he's standing out. He and the king had developed respect for each other. Kind of, kind of crazy like that. You know, I don't know about you, but I have people in my life that I respect. They respect me. We differ in opinions about things. <gasps> you can actually do that. So that's what's happening here with this guy. I did some research on, on Nebuchadnezzar, looked into it a little deeper. <laughs> and if you Google Nebuchadnezzar and, and you punch in a few things, if you keep going a little deeper, I ran across the name Saddam Hussein. You ever heard of him? <whistles> Who, yeah. Did you know that Saddam Hussein's hero was Nebuchadnezzar? Did you know that he kind of wanted to be just like him? That puts it in perspective now. Do you get what I'm saying? You see where that story's coming off the pages? Because you're seeing some flesh that you're seeing. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with. And so Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, <laughs> another one, and he calls his guys, and nobody can do this. He goes, go get that, that little Israelite guy, Daniel. And Daniel stands up. 
You know, standing up for the right thing and standing up for what is right is a reality that we all have been confronted with or will be confronted with. Can I get an amen? Have you ever had to stand up for something that you felt was right, but yet you were like, you look around and you're the only one? Huh? Yeah. I mean, it's not easy to do. We get the background of this. It's not an easy thing to do, but standing up for the right is always the good thing to do. I believe that if we do it the right way, people will respect you for it. They may not agree with you, but perhaps they will respect you for it. There's something going on with this king because from 17 to 50 years old, (laughs) he hasn't done anything to these guys, and he keeps calling them back, and he has his moments with them. Maybe it's because they did it the right way. Maybe they did it the right way. You see, there's confrontational extremes when we do things. And there's a couple of them. One is that we're unwilling to confront anything, unwilling to stand for anything. But the Bible talks about that we we are going to have to stand at times. And so being unwilling is not the answer, but, but some of us, some of us, some of us do it unlovingly. And when we read this story, and as we look at this story, I often wondered, why did Daniel keep doing this and keep doing this? You know what I think? (laughs) I think the reason he did it was because he walked with God. And his heart was different. And he really cared. Wow, what a novel thought. Right? And when you come from that motive, perhaps we're a little more patient. Perhaps we're a little more kind. You see, when we have the opportunity to stand out, that's not a pass for us to destroy a relationship. Amen. Jesus gave us that example. This stuff mirrors what Jesus did in a whole new way. He took it to a whole new level. No matter who we're dealing with when we're standing up, we must remember this. We must always be redemptive in our actions. Jesus was. You think about the stories that Jesus taught us. Think about the words that he spoke, the words that were in red. His actions were always redemptive. I told a story about the lady that was dragged out in the middle of the street. They were going to stone her. And Jesus said, those of you that are without sin, cast the first stone. I would have loved to have been standing there and heard those rocks hitting the ground, wouldn't you? Ka-chunk, ka-chunk. He looks up and he says to her, where are your accusers? See, she was overwhelmed with love. He knows she was. She was expecting to die. He said, they don't condemn you, neither do I. Go. Redemptive. The stories go on and on. Tax collectors. People that were, at the time, you would think the people that you wouldn't want to, you know, associate with. He got right in amongst them. He stood out and he loved them. Just like Daniel dealing with this king. My, oh my. It's a great lesson for us to be learned. And for us to look at. So when we talk and we're in situations where we're being confronted or confronting others, how do we handle it? You know, there's personality types, different personality types. I know you're not going to believe this. But when I was little, (laughs) well, that too, you don't believe that either. But when I was little, I was really shy. Can you believe that? I was. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't, somebody look at me and I wouldn't even look up. And uh, I remember as I got older, you know, my dad kept saying, son, you got to look at people when they talk to you. You've got to look them in the eye. 
because, you know, that's what you do in, in respect. And I'm like, oh, okay. But when we confront people with our personality, sometimes it steps in. I uh, met a lady one time. I was at a church, and, and there was this confrontation between two people in this church, and she was one of them. And uh, I don't know, she's probably the only one in the whole world like this, that, you know, came to me and said, well, I ain't changing. This is the way God made me, and I ain't changing. Probably the only one in the whole world like that, right? It's a joke. Come on, you can laugh. Our personalities, God made you thumbprint unique. You are who you are. You're gifted with what you have, right? Exactly. But sometimes God molds us a little bit, too. Sometimes God knocks the edges off. And sometimes you find yourself going, and the Holy Spirit says, stop. Be patient. Confrontational. Be loving. Because, you know, that's how they know who we are as Christ followers, is because we love one another. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, do I have this down? Are you kidding me? Depends on what day you catch me, right? But I'm better than I used to be, Joanne. You know, you've seen it in the last five years in the office, right? Yeah, and the reason we talk about this and we preach and we share this is because we're all on this journey, you guys. And so if there's things in our lives that are causing us problems, one of them, maybe we're, we're a confrontational purpose. Maybe God's speaking to you today that I need to slow my roll just a little bit here. Uh, I don't know about you, but, but in bo- this has happened to me both ways. I had people confront me as a brother in the Lord. Had one one time come to me and said, you know, and he started quoting scripture at me, and he was quoting the King James, so I knew he was good and right, you know, and I'm just standing there looking at him. He said, you need to do this, and you need to do that. And I mean, he was saying it just like that about that tempo, and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't need to do anything, especially listen to you. I'm just being honest. This is honest uh, church here, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Two days after that, a man came to me, and he said, hey, how you doing, Kent? I said, I'm doing all right. He said, you know, man, I've known you since you were a kid, and I love you. I loved your dad, and I loved your, your family. I loved your dad, and my dad was still alive. He said, you know, there's something I need to talk to you about. Yeah? Okay. I'm listening. He says, you know, such and such and such and such, and I've been, I've been praying for you, man. And, and, I, and I just want you to know that I'm, I'm praying for you because I know that you're struggling with something. And I just want you to know, buddy, I'm here for you and that I love you. And I'm like... <laughs> You see the difference? You see the difference? Daniel gives us an example. Confrontation, he did it the right way. As we read the book of Daniel, we see a wonderful example of how he worked through a situation that could have been disastrous. The very first story that we shared in the, in the, in the first chapter, you know, when, when they told him to, when they changed their names, told him to eat this food, Daniel could have said, I ain't doing it not going to do it. You can't make me do it. He probably killed him right there. I mean, that's the culture they were in. Instead, he said, hey, I, I, I was wondering if we could. You see, it's a lot about how we approach things. And so Daniel comes to King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's confronting him about this dream. You know, he didn't say it's none of my business. When Nebuchadnezzar called, he didn't say it's none of my business. Oh, no, I'll let, I'll let the deacons handle that. Oh, I'll let my brother over there do, handle that. You know, he's, he's the one that's got, yeah, yeah. no, he said, he said, I'll do this. Now, there's something that Daniel does that's a secret, that's not a secret, but you, you hear about it later in the book, but I think he was doing it all along. 
Daniel had this little secret thing that he used, and it's really simple. You ready? If you've got a pencil, write this on your, on your whatever, bulletin or whatever. Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed. Three times a day. Minimum. How often do we pray? How often do we pray when we know there's something that we have to deal with? You know what? I'm telling you guys, I got stuff in my life too. I got stuff, you know, I still have kids. They're 38 and 20. I still have children. This is recorded, so bleep that part out, all right? I have grandchildren. I have a family. I'm involved in a church. I need to pray a lot. I need to pray a lot. Because I need God to show me what to do. I know you're shocked, but I don't have enough sense to answer some of the things that my kids ask. I don't have enough sense to know sometimes what's the right thing. So I have to pray. Daniel prayed, and God used him. God used him. God's wisdom, we must seek it through prayer. As we read the book of Daniel, we see this wonderful example of how he worked through a situation, especially dealing with such an evil person. You see, love requires that we're honest sometimes, and Daniel's a great example of this. As we look at chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Are we going to pull those up? Do we have those? Yeah, okay. Watch this. This is what's starting to happen here where we're at today. Watch this. Here we go. Nebuchadnezzar was living comfortably at his home. I was living prosperous. While living in my palace, I had a dream that terrified me. The vision I had while I was asleep frightened me, so I ordered all the wise advisors in Babylon to be brought to me to tell me the dream's meaning. The magicians, the psychics, the astrologers, and the fortune tellers came to me. I told them the dream, but they couldn't tell me its meaning. They knew this guy. They knew if they told him something and it was wrong, previously in the book, he says, I will rip them from limb to limb. I'm thinking, I've got something going here. I, I'm not connected today, buddy. Hey, Nebby, I, I can't get this one, man. I, I don't know what you're dreaming. I'm sorry. You see what I'm saying here? I don't know if that was the case or not, but I think they were probably afraid of him. But watch what it says. Finally, Daniel came. That's Daniel's new name, Belshazzar. And the spirit of the holy God is in him. And I told him the dream. And he tells him the dream. He tells him the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar listened to what he said. I mean, this king is notorious for killing people that get sideways with him. And again, he calls on Daniel. At this point, he's developed a relationship with him. I mean, we've been together now, like I said, from the age of early 15, early teens to the 50s. Now, on chapter 4, verse 18, Daniel says this, however you can because of the spirit of the holy God is with you. You can do this. He says this to Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar says this to him. It's interesting in today's time, I, I Google dreams. I don't know if you guys have ever done this or not. If you Google dreams, do you know there's actually websites that you can go on? I don't, I, and they'll give you things about dreams. But he didn't have this, obviously. He didn't have this. So he calls Daniel in, and Daniel gives him what the meaning of this dream is. The dream is about a big tree, and the Holy One from Heaven says it's going to be cut down. Ooh. Ooh. You get what's going on here? What does this mean? And here's what, here's what Daniel says. Watch how he does this. Then Daniel was momentarily stunned. What he was thinking frightened him. I told him, Belshazzar, don't let the dream and its meaning frighten you. Belshazzar answered, said, sir, watch this, watch this. Sir, 
I wish that the dream were about those who hate you and its meaning were about your enemies. This guy's good. He's good, isn't he? He's, break, he's breaking down the barriers. And he begins to tell him. And he says in verse 24 through 26, this is the meaning, your majesty, the most high has decided to apply it to you, your majesty. Tax your majesty on this. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be driven away from, from here and you'll live with the animals. And seven years will pass until you acknowledge the most high God. And then I would just go, can you imagine doing this? And Nebuchadnezzar listened to him. And it happened. Now, interesting. Why did David take a chance and stand up to this king? Got any ideas? Think about that for just. Why did he stand up and tell him the truth in love? I believe, unlike me sometimes, I want to be right and I want to tell you, hey, dude, I got this, watch this. You're going to hear it. No. He wanted the king to know what was going on because I think he cared about him. I don't think he agreed with him. I don't think he liked what, what he did. But I think he recognized it was another human being. And because he cared, he was not arrogant. And because he cared, he was not proud of himself. And because he cared, he didn't think he was better than he was. And because he cared, he didn't want to make a point that he was right. Sometimes we can get like that, can't we? Oh, 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 I know this one. I know this one. Watch this. Yeah, I'm right. No. No. He cared. Verse 27 says, that is why, your majesty. He doesn't stop. He says, and that is why. That is why, your majesty, that my best advice is that you stop sinning and do what is right. Wow. Took it full circle, didn't he? Come all the way around. And he did it the right way, and he shared with him a truth. What a lesson is taught right here. Because when we do life with people, there's going to come times when we have to speak the truth. A time when you have to stand up and speak the truth. And perhaps a time when the truth will be spoken to you. And like I said before, I've been, I've been a recipient on both ends of that. And I thank God for that. That man that said, I'm going to pray for you, Kent, changed the, changed the direction I was going in in my life at that time because he cared for me. And I knew that he meant what he said, and I knew that he truly was praying for me. It wasn't like, hey, I'll pray for you. He was praying for me. He checked on me a couple times after that and said, hey, I just want to let you know, man, I prayed for you today. And I'm like, you get it. Amazing. Notice Daniel says to him, please do the right thing. Please do the right thing because I want you to be blessed. What a great motive. Wouldn't the world be a better place if we came from that motive? That I want to encourage you. I want to give you strength. I want to share with you the gospel. Not because I'm going to say, you know what? I got the fastest growing church in northern Kentucky. No. I care for you because I care for you. And I want you to do what's right. And I want you to walk with Jesus because your life will be better. What a motive. What a concept. Daniel prayed. He shared. And he said this before. You know, I've said this before, whenever we, we uh, you know, dealing with somebody, if we're praying for them, it, it, it works. I tell you, I've mentioned this, there was a couple that came to me and they were having some marital problems and we were talking and they said, what do you recommend? I said, well, I've been married 40 years, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, it, it's tough at times. I mean, you know, it is, it is. It can get tough. But I said, one of the things that my wife and I have done over the years that I think is helpful is praying and praying together. Really? I said, yeah. Now, you got two people that are into it, and I'm standing there going, you need to pray together, you know? And they're like, really? 
But let me tell you something, it's hard to scream at each other when you're praying for each other. Right? It's hard to get sideways when you're praying for somebody. Daniel got this. In fact, we see this principle in the New Testament about sharing with our brothers and sisters and how we are to approach each other. You who are godly should gently and humbly, as opposed to what? Arrogantly and harshly standing up. And then Paul goes on to say, be careful. Be careful when you do this that you don't fall into temptation. You see, if we ever confront someone, again, do it from the point of restoration like Daniel. Daniel, point of restoration. Pray for God to help me confront this with caution. Proceed slowly and seek God's will. If we confront people with an attitude, we can also cop the pride attitude. Well, I showed them. I quoted that scripture word for word. I showed them exactly how it works. We have to be careful of that, don't we? Because of those of you who have had that done to you, how would you feel about that? Didn't work too well, did it? We should do it with love. Jesus warned us in Matthew 7, verse 5. He said, uh, make sure before you go try to get the speck out of somebody, else, somebody else's eye that we remove the beam from ours. So here's the point. Here's the point today. As a church, as God's people, there's a right way and a wrong way. And we should stand. We should stand up. We should stand up for what's right, but we should also remember who we are and whose we are. And God will use that. Daniel's motive wasn't to elevate himself, but to help Nebuchadnezzar to do right. The motive was to help someone in the right spirit. You know, I'm convinced that if we pray before we stand up, It'll work. I've seen it work. I've seen walls fall down. I've seen barriers broken. Is it easy? No. No. But when we stand for the right thing, God will bless us. Daniel didn't try to attack the king. and Instead, he addressed the issues while he was standing. So many times, we see situations and we see people attacking the person instead of the problem. When we remember, and if we remember, that God loves those people, just like he loves us. And we are those people. We are those people, said the church. So many times. Proverbs 15.1 says this. It's a great verse highlighted in your Bible. A gentle answer turns away rage. So we need to focus on reconciliation with what we're standing for rather than resolution. Let me say that again. We need to focus on reconciliation of what we are standing for rather than the resolution when we address the heart to be restored, we need to do it in love. We should love one another. That should always be our motive. I truly think that that was Daniel's motive. And I think that's mirrored in the New Testament with Jesus' motive. I want to read a passage of scripture to you today, and it's from Galatians. And this is a passage that you've probably heard before. But I like this passage because I think it speaks truth. And I think it kind of goes along with this situation. It's not a matter of if or when this kind of stuff's going to happen in our lives, but it's how we handle it. Would you, say, would you say amen to that? Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. Things come along. But watch this. This is what Paul says. And he's talking to the church, the church at Galatia. And he says, brothers and sisters, if a person gets trapped by doing wrong, if a person gets trapped by doing wrong, watch this. Those of you who are spiritual should help that person turn away from doing wrong. Here's the key. Do it in a gentle way. At the same time, watch yourself 
so that you also are not tempted. How many times have we seen that happen? How many times? It's a heartbreaking. Because you know what? It can even be a thing of pride because of the way that we did it. At the same time, watch yourself so that you're not tempted. Watch this. Help carry each other's burdens. Are we doing that? Am I doing that? Am I helping others with their burdens? Am I helping them carry their burdens? Or am I judging them? Help each other carry your burdens. Watch this. In this way, you'll follow Christ's teaching. Yeah, in this way. So if any one of you thinks you're important when you're really not, you're only fooling yourself. Each of you must examine your own actions. Then you can be proud of your own accomplishments without comparing yourself to others. And then I love this last verse. Assume your own responsibility. That's what Daniel did. It's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Right there in the fiery furnace. Right there in the middle of those interpretations of those dreams. They asked God, and God revealed and showed his will through them. And it's a story that we read about. I say this a lot. You know what? Had they not stood up, we wouldn't even know the person of Daniel today. Realize that? There were other people. There were thousands of other people. But we know Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego today because they stood out, and they did it the right way. They did it the right way. And that's what God wants us to do. We are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We have a message, and God's given us that. And you know what? We're not doing it on our own. Isn't that good? Isn't that good news that you're not doing this on your own? I don't know what to say. Let God use you. Let him speak. What you're going through today, you're not going through it on your own. We should help each other and be sensitive. We can stand out in the right way. Stand out in the right way. Always be redemptive in our actions. Seek to build each other up in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this message.